0: Equal Housing Lender. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. U.S. Bank.
5: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. i would be one of my friends just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Is this market really as simple as it looks? COVID cases up? Well, then buy the Kramer COVID 19 index, the stocks that do better when the pandemic's raging. Works like a charm. Can this market really be that binary? Can it really be that stupid? To borrow a line from that masterpiece of English literature, this is Spinal Tap. It's a fine line between clever and stupid. After a wobbly day where the Dow only gained 300 points, SB advanced 1.1%, Nasdaq climbed 1.09%. The short answer is yes. It really is that simple. When the state of Texas was forced to pause its reopening plan because of record COVID infections, a major headline with seemingly nothing but negative connotations for the U.S. economy, suddenly the stay-at-home stocks came back in style and took up the whole market. I guess the virus didn't get the memo about not messing with Texas. Many of today's winners were the usual suspects that benefited from the pandemic. But we also had some new companies that joined the move, the oils, because of meager bounce in the price of crude And the banks, though that, of course, was ephemeral, given the fact that everything was bad after the close about them. It's stay away from the banks. Okay? Anyway, before we get into specifics, of, uh, how the heck can this market rally on, on truly terrible news? We have a horrific outbreak in the Sun Belt. Nationwide, we hit a new record for COVID cases yesterday. The virus is back in exponential growth mode. The human costs could be enormous. There's also a financial cost, obviously not the same as loss of life. But we know the stock market's focused on money. From the financial perspective, if a big state like Texas can't fully reopen, doesn't that mean the market needs to roll back some of those recent gains? When the outbreak's sweeping across the South and Southwest, don't we need to get more negative? I mean, Disney just announced that they're delaying the reopening of Disneyland because they're still waiting on the state of California to give them some health guidelines. Isn't that horrible, especially because it's a big capitalization Dow stock? So then why the heck did the market rally today? Shouldn't the averages be rolling over? Not so fast. This is what I've been trying to explain to you for months the truth is, we've been through this before, and we know that lots of stocks benefit from the reemergence of the stay-at-home economy. There are 100 companies in the Kramer COVID-19 Index. I used to call it the Kramer oh, 100, but then you'd say, well, how many, are inde- how many stocks are in the Kramer 100? Well, it's 100. Anyway, collectively... The stocks are worth now 12.2 trillion. Oh, that's up from a cool 11 trillion when we put this list together back in April. The entire S&P 500 is only 25.2 trillion. The index is stealing money from all the other stocks of all the economic victims. When well, you look at this, this is the Kramer COVID stock index and this is the stock market. You want to own this, this is what they all tell you, right? The people come on TV, say you, you got to own this. Hey, I don't know. This one's doing better. You throw in today's bank rally, fueled by the regulators taking a lighter hand, which will go back tomorrow, along with the positive action in oil, which will probably go back tomorrow, and that's well over half the market. Mostly, though, it's the COVID stocks. So let's go over why they work on days like today, so you understand and stop wanting to buy penny stocks where you lose all twelve hundred dollars that you got from the government. All right, for, if I signed it, would you do that? If I had been the signatory? First, there's a whole host of companies that directly make, make more money during a major outbreak. Today we heard from Kramer Faye McCormick, the maker of spices, along with my favorite, Franks. You can put that really on anything, by the way. And French's. And I got a great deal once of French's when I went to a, a Louisiana Walmart. And the results were extraordinary. They, these guys earned $1.47 per share. Wall Street was only looking for a buck thirteen. Simple story. When you cook at home, you need spices and seasonings. I cook at home every night. I, I blanket everything with this stuff because I hate how bad I cook. And social distancing means a lot of us are cooking at home. I hate it but I let the dishes pile up until the end of the week. No one's yelling at me. It's great. All right. It's not just stockpiling, which they saw at the beginning of the quarter. McCormick points out that day, and I quote, saw a strong, real incremental consumption as the quarter progressed, meaning there's a wholesale change in behavior here, not just a one-off bump. The consumer numbers were so fabulous that they easily offset the loss of McCormick's restaurant supply business. While management clearly didn't want to brag about benefiting from the pandemic, I don't mind saying it. McCormick's a winner in a world where COVID's running rampant. Same goes for Clorox. This is it, man. Don't, you can pry, don't even try to pry this away from my cold, dead hands. It, that's usually said about guns. You can't beat, you cannot beat bleach when it comes to killing this virus. Anytime we get bad COVID numbers, Clorox is stuck. Look, at see, I've got it. So if anyone tries to take mine, it's the mad money. I know if you take it, I see it, Okay. The failed reopening in Texas means still one more day when you're going to have trouble finding Mm -hmm. this. I check for Clorox disinfecting wipes every day on Amazon. Every day I check. And you know exactly what it says because you check, too. Currently unavailable. We don't know when or if this item will be back in stock. Who's ever seen that? Amazon has everything. They'll be even harder to find with big outbreaks in Texas, Florida, Arizona, California. Plus, the safe place to entertain right now is outside. And what does that mean? It means cookouts. What do cookouts mean? It means Kingsford's. What else? The e-commerce stocks roar because the Internet is the only place to buy stuff during lockdown. So people shop at Etsy. They're small business owners. They they go to Wix.com and Twilio and Shopify and now Facebook with its terrific shops initiative, but because of the politics, they just lost Verizon. Come on, guys. Then there's the next component of the COVID index, the work from home stocks. That includes all sorts of cybersecurity plays. I, mean, I, I don't want to bore you, but I'll bore you. CrowdStrike, Zscaler, those are good. Hey. Zoom, Shopper, it's a Ring Central, how can I help you? And the cloud kings like Salesforce.com and yes, Splunk. NVIDIA's chips power the data centers that make the cloud possible. How much I love NVIDIA. And Last night he was just coughing his darn fool head off. Fourth, the mega cap tech stocks. It took them a while to get rolling today, but. Well, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, they all work here. And they also, WebBus just gave Apple a $2 trillion market cap target. I say, how about $3 trillion? How about $4 trillion. Maybe $5 trillion. I mean, come on, guys. Try to temper a little bit. Facebook's now an e-commerce facilitator for small business. Google ads seem to be troughing. Microsoft's got a huge cloud business. Amazon? Amazon. So even with all these COVID winners, how the heck can the market rally when so much of the economy is threatened by this new outbreak? Well, aren't we a service based economy and all these services connected with travel and leisure and entertainment, diamond and aerospace, aren't they in big trouble? Honestly, in a normal environment, one where we just let the economy happen, so to speak, the stock market would have collapsed today. But the Federal Reserve is determined to keep the bankruptcies as low as possible. Think of it like this. If a company that was doing fine before the pandemic is now in trouble, expect them to be bailed out. That won't save businesses that were already circling the drain, but large companies that are only struggling because of the virus, they'll probably be okay. The airlines were crushing it before COVID hit. The Fed and Treasury have made sure they'll survive, although I I would not own their common stocks, people. I know you're having a great time with them, but mm, I I like Southwest. If we start seeing hotels come close to insolvency, the good ones will be bailed out, either by our elected officials or by the Fed. Meanwhile, we've got another full month of expanded unemployment insurance. If you lose your job, the government's giving you an extra 600 bucks a week. That's huge. It's why the poverty rate actually has gone down since the recession started. Greatest recession of our lives and the poverty rate's going down. If Congress is smart, they'll extend those benefits now that we're seeing record numbers of COVID infections again. I know the Republican leadership has resisted another stimulus package, but if they want the Republican president to get reelected, what I would do if I were them is extend those benefits through November 2nd. Am I saying the whole thing's rigged? No. No. But the COVID winners represent a huge chunk of the stock market. They're nearly half the size of the S&P 500. And the COVID losers got bailed out of the last time we had a big outbreak. Throw in some good news about the oils. and that was enough to give us the right direction. Let me give you the bottom line here, Okay, I'm not necessarily saying that bad news is good news, nor am I saying don't take something off the table. You know I feel about taking a profit. But if Texas had done a better job of managing its reopening, maybe the market would have actually gone down today, led by the Kramer COVID-19 Index. All hundred of them. That would have been a don't mess with Texas move. Instead, we got a don't mask with Texas rotation into the COVID winners. And Wall Street's confident that most of the losers are going to be bailed out anyway. Zach in Texas. Zach! Julia from Dallas, Texas, Jim. Well, I yeah. I, I never I thought I'd say this, but I actually hope we play the Cowboys this year. I
3: hope so, too. I, I say it emphatically when I say that we appreciate all you do for us small investors. Thank you, man. I have, a, I have a small question. I want your opinion on a speculative stock that was a spinoff from a special acquisition company, something you talked about in details right. yesterday. The stock I'm inquiring about is Virgin Galactic, symbol S-P-C-E.
5: You know, this is it, it's one of the most speculative stocks in the world. It, it is, but I will say this. There are people. If I were very young, and I wanted to buy like ten shares or something totally crazy, I might go for this thing. But uh, it, it's not for uh, real. Let's go to Elliot, in New York, please, Elliot. Jimmy, how are you? Jimmy's doing well. I'm Jimmy King of Chill tonight, man. King Jimmy, of the Chill.
3: <laughs> I just wanted to give a quick shout out to G and A, and then I want to thank you for your advice to play a little defense, take some profits, ah. strong tape like today's. Never going to hurt you. <laughs> so, anyway, um wanted to chat about a company that completed a $1.2 billion pipe transaction in May, has about $4 billion in cash and two Big Brother hedge fund backers. Only 7% of its revenues from air travel, with 70% coming from lodging. Per, per four square location based recovery data, hotel visits are up 4.6% week over week and only down 7.3% compared to February. The company is also paying particular attention or, or paying particular focus to its VRBO business, which right. enables consumers to rent homes directly, per- permitting them to get to their staycation destinations okay. without flying or floating. All right. Think about it as a comp to Airbnb. All in right. Addition, in addition, the company is wrapping up their other offerings via their local things to do section, enabling consumers to book safe walking tours okay. and bike All excursions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, the stock took a big hit per uh, per the TripAdvisor 8K, which pointed to trips to future revenues. This is not TripAdvisor, who relies on paid, paid clicks and ad revenue. We know that business model is a bit weak at the moment per comments made by
5: Google and Facebook. I mean, look at what Verizon Okay, hey, what would that be? What, what stock are we really talking about? I like, Jimmy Trill what do you think of that thing? Um, Expedia. Oh! No, I don't like it. Let's go to um, Mark in North Carolina. Mark, Mark. I think I surprised Mark hey, and Elliot. There goes Mark. How you doing? What's up? Hey Jim, how you doing? Couldn't be better. Uh, good, good. Hey, um, Procter and Gamble is a big holding of mine, but it hasn't really moved up much in the past three months,
4: when other consumer good stocks like Clorox have. I would think a brand portfolio that includes Mr. Clean, Bounty, Charmin, Tide and safeguard soaps would be tailor-made to grow through this pandemic. What exactly is holding this stock back?
5: Well, I think that—let the yeah, let me tell you what I think is—this is a great question, by the way. It's what people would say is fully valued. It's at 24 times earnings. But you know what, Mark? I'm with you. I think you buy it, you got a 2.68% yield, you got a great balance sheet, you got a great management. You just buy it and don't look at it because it's, it's, uh, management's really good, they got great products, and it's not a penny stock. I know a lot of people like those penny stocks. Uh, those, by the way, you know, a stock is a, is a penny stock not because management wants it to be, it's because it stinks. I like & Gamble. All right, and I didn't mean to be mean to Elliot. It's just that I, the ratio of Elliot versus me was odd there. Uh, Expedia is, I think, not great. All right, sometimes it's as simple as it looks, and Wall Street is confident most losers will be bailed out, and they like the COVID winners like this one. All right, on Mad Money tonight, to quote the great John, late John Denver, "Country Roads, take me home." Siri, Siri, play. Thank God I'm a country boy. As more people hit the road this summer, could Winnebago be worth the ride? I'm talking with the CEO at Journey's. Then, as people look for ways to get out of the house but still stay isolated from others, could a company... Anyway, I'm I'm talking... I'm talking with the CEO about rising boat demand. And thank God, thank God, I am really not a country boy. And help you reopen your business after COVID-19, there's an app for that. I'm talking to Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff to find out how the company's products are helping businesses manage the new normal. So stay with Kramer.
0: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com.
2: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com BusinessGoldCard. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
5: going stir-crazy. This country desperately needs a vacation. But we're still in the middle of a pandemic that once again is spreading like wildfire. So how do you take a vacation in the age of social distancing? Well, you could always buy an RV and hit the road, maybe go camping. That's why I recommended a bunch of plays on the great outdoors at the beginning of the month, including Winnebago Industries, the maker of RVs, motorhomes, and some powerboats. Since then, the stock's up a quick 17%. But there was something alarming that happened yesterday. It makes me wonder if the RV's rallies may be running out of steam. See, Winnebago reported a fantastic quarter. Big top and bottom line beat. And while management didn't provide explicit guidance for the next quarter, they told a very upbeat story on the conference call. Yet the stock got hammered, felt roughly 7%, much worse than the decline in the broader market. Of course, the stocks had a big run off the of March lows going the quarter. It was trading at an all-time high. And hey, maybe it was just simply priced for perfection. A little profit-taking never hurt anybody. We've got to find out, though, why it was hammered. We need to take a closer look. So let's dig deep with Michael Happy. He's the president and CEO of Winnebago Industries. Get a better sense of the quarter and where it's coming. Hey, Mr. Happy, welcome back to Made Money.
6: Yeah, good to see you, Jim. Thanks for having us on. All right. So
5: here's my thinking, sir. Your stock had just run way up, but you did not want to necessarily say, you know what? And I think next quarter is going to be fantastic because we don't know. It's a pandemic. But in, in all the years I've followed Winnebago, the last part of this quarter was the best that I can ever recall.
6: Yeah, it was certainly a challenging quarter, uh, but one with some optimism at the end of it that uh, we see in our future. Uh, it was a quarter that included a wind down of our business, a shutdown of our business and a restart. But uh, we started to see some very positive signs in May. Uh, as consumers started to uh, escape their homes during the shutdown period. And we see much brighter days ahead for our industry and our company.
5: Your conference called something amazing on it that I'm starting to believe. I keep hearing this. It's got to be feeling about maybe it's about school. But you said the timing of the experiential season is going to be extended this year. Is this the belief that maybe school doesn't start on time and we need to be thinking that September could be a month that we're kind of doing something cool?
6: Well, I think what we're really seeing is there's this pent up demand, obviously, to uh, escape the homes and uh, get outdoors and uh, find a sense of uh, normalcy again with our select family and friends uh, in a safe manner. And so, uh, you know, we believe that, uh, you know, the, the, the summer season is setting up to be very strong for many of the outdoor businesses, including recreational vehicles, and that people will have an appetite to extend that into the early fall Uh, As again, they continue to 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 manage very carefully uh, who they're around and and how they uh, safely, uh, you know, go through their lives. So so, again, we're looking for a good long season of being outdoors this summer. But you also talked about how uh, there's a
5: correlation you've seen with a healthy stock market. And bizarrely, we have one, correct?
6: Yeah, the, you know, the stock market has been uh, relatively stable as of late. There's certainly volatility uh, inherent to it as well. But uh, the co- recovery of the stock market is especially helpful for those uh, affluent customers with uh, decent sized retirement portfolios, investment portfolios. And given we have some great luxury brands in our portfolio, like Numar, like Chris Craft Boats, uh, we see the wealth effect and the stability of the stock market actually having a calming effect on those types of consumers. And they then make the uh, decision to invest in this discretionary toy, you know, that we can sell them.
5: Well, I'm a boater. Let's talk about Chris Craft for a second. I remember when you bought it. And I think at the time I thought you're going to extend the the line. We see a lot of Chris Craft vehicles on the road. Uh, It looks like that this is Chris Craft's time. Um, What do you really want to do with it? Is it good to have that uh, and also be in the motor motor uh, RV business?
6: Well, I think there's a number of dimensions to that investment that we made in June of 2018. Uh, First of all, we're trying to build a a premium portfolio of outdoor brands. And there's really no better brand than Chris Craft in that essence, 140 year old. Global luxury uh, boat brand. We see some uh, secular, emotional, and even value chain similarities between the marine business and the RV business. And we see uh, uh, we're very positive in terms of the growth uh, prospects for the marine industry. and And Chris Craft for us was a, a low risk. Um, you know, we think ultimately long term high reward entrance into the marine industry. To learn more about it uh, and begin to develop a, again another premier premium brand in our portfolio. And, that, and that's one of the ways, Jim, that we differentiate ourselves from our competitors is, is we have discerning aspirational brands in our portfolio that people, uh, you know, they desire to own someday.
5: Well, I think it's an interesting brand because, uh, in may, look, I'm a fisherman, but in many ways, if I were a speed boater or I candidly if I were a millennial, I think I prefer a Chris Craft maybe to my Boston Whaler. I mean, what kind of audience is buying that what I regard as being expensive plaything?
6: Well, these are people that are both uh, participating potentially in fresh waters, but also saltwater uh, areas. And really with a crisscraft you can uh, view it as more of a leisurely uh, you know, cruising boat, or you can fish out of these boats as well. And so we've got the capability with our our line to do both. Uh, But these are really, uh, you know, folks who enjoy the the finer elements of boating. Uh, You know, they want to get out in a very beautiful, uh, you know, handcrafted made uh, boat and and have a great afternoon or evening with their family uh, and friends. And so the lineup is continuing to develop, and and we're excited about that being a a small but uh, we think increasingly important part of our story overall here at Winnebago Industries. Well, it's got two themes
5: that I like. It's got freedom and you have control. And I find that your product lineup throughout this has freedom and control versus what I feel like now. If I fly to a city and I stay at a hotel, I feel like I have no freedom and no control. Is that the zeitgeist right now that could be driving a lot of sales?
6: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we've seen a dramatic increase and interest in the RV and and boating lifestyle. And we think there are a number of reasons. Uh, First of all, we think that most people believe genuinely that uh, the outdoors is a safer place to be. Uh, Secondly, there's been a lot of time freed up for us. Uh, Our evenings and weekends tend to be a little bit more open (laughs) with some of the the commitments that we used to have uh, not being available to us. Uh, There are not as many options for people to spend their discretionary income or savings. You know, theme parks are closed, movie theaters are just coming back, restaurants are just coming back, you can't go to Major League Baseball quite yet, Uh, so people have some dollars that they're choosing to invest, and I really think, Jim, there is a a human psyche to people wanting to reconnect again with family and friends that they feel safe being around, they want to get outside their homes. And that's why we, we believe, uh, you know, recreational vehicles, as an example, are coming back extremely strong, that, that, that people view it as a safe way to get outdoors and, and feel normal again and, and explore the great country that we have here in the U.S. Now, I know you, you couldn't pin down exactly
5: how many first time buyers there are, but I would I would wager that there are people who never in a million years dreamed they'd have a Winnebago who feel like it's the only way now to be able to travel.
6: Well, we're certainly seeing an influx of first-time buyers. Much of this is still a little bit anecdotal, but but our dealies are, are telling us that the wave of first-time buyers that they're seeing this summer is greater than at any time that they can ever recall uh, in their history. And so we usually tend to see about a third of our buyers being first-time buyers, and we think that's increasing to uh, as much as half, and maybe wow. even in some other categories, it, it's greater than 50%. And so uh, Consumers are also, Jim, uh, participating in the sharing economy around RVs, and they're also renting at, at the highest levels that we've seen in some time. So, so there's just great interest in, in not just owning an RV, but potentially experimenting with the lifestyle so that they can potentially determine down the road whether it fits them.
5: What an extraordinary change. Extraordinary, and I think positive one. I want to thank Michael Happy, President and CEO of Winnebago Industries. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jim lasting people it's about sustainability and lasting that money's back into the brain
4: if a friend asks how you're doing and you say i'm okay when the
3: truth is
0: i don't want my problems to burden anyone or you say hang it in there
3: because if i ask for help they'll just think i'm weak then this is your sign to call text or chat
4: 988 for free confidential support. Anytime you don't have to hide how you feel.
2: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life resistant high performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip ups and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
5: This market loves any kind of recreation that also allows you to maintain social distancing. Tank Brunswick Corporation, the big kahuna in the boating space. You might recognize them as Boston Whaler, which I have one, Bayliner, or as the maker of the incredibly popular Mercury engines. Until we get a COVID vaccine, anything that lets you take a vacation while avoiding crowds of people makes a ton of sense. And that's why Brunswick's on fire, with the stock surging from 25 at its March lows back up to nearly 64 as of today. It's only down a few bucks from where it was trading before the pandemic hit. The last time the card reported, they told an encouraging story. Best of all, the stock we made is incredibly cheap at 15 times six years' earnings estimates. I wouldn't be surprised if those numbers are too low, but do not take it from me. Let's check in with David Folks. He's the CEO of Brunswick Corporation. Find out how his company's managing to thrive in the new normal. Mr. Folks, welcome to Man Money.
4: Thank you, Jim. Great to be on.
5: David, I got to tell you, you gave a talk two days ago uh, at J.P. Morgan, and you used the following phrase. I very rarely hear this. You said in the second half of April, I quote, you had a very sharp V, almost a light switch that went on for sales. Tell me about it.
4: Well, we did, Jim. You know, April was a month of two halves for us. The first half obviously affected by uh, the initial pandemic impact. And we we'd taken our production facilities down, maintained distribution. We expected to come back up with all the COVID protocols pretty gradually from the middle of April. But in fact, uh, demand really took off. And we have been bringing back our facilities very quickly, uh, ramping up and even adding hundreds of people to try and satisfy demand. That demand has even increased uh, through uh, May and now into June. So it seems to be very sustained. All
5: right, let call this to see it. I'm told you can't get one. I have a friend who bought a... a, uh, He bought a... a, uh, a whaler for 40 for $40,000 and leased it for 30,000 for the next two months. <laughs> I mean, now that tells me shortage.
4: Well, you know, across all of our portfolio, we're in relatively good shape. Our engines, uh, we have plenty of stock. That's more of a built to stock model. Our P&A is in good shape. But I would say certainly uh, some of our boat brands uh, are in very, very high demand right now. And whaler is certainly one of them. Now, we want to get a whaler in as many hands as we possibly can. So we're re- hiring hundreds of people right now. But I would say it's, it's fair to say that the uh, pipelines in the field are very, very low. Uh, we're working as hard as we possibly can to restock those pipelines. Now, you used to have uh, uh, 29 plants. So
5: you, you managed to consolidate to what, about nine. I mean, do you have enough? I mean, to me, it sounds like
4: you literally must be working 24-7. Uh, we, we are certainly working extra shifts at the moment. You know, taking out that cost is, is overall very healthy for our business, though. It's very streamlined. I think we've been able to manage our way through this pandemic on our own, own terms, largely because of the cost takeout and streamlining the business we did. So I'm very happy with that. We certainly have capacity in, in most of our plants, but we, we have been uh, taken a bit by surprise by the a rapid pickup in demand, which seems to be, know, some deferred purchases, but also just new boaters. So we're working very hard. It's not really a space issue. It's more hiring people uh, that is the bottleneck. And, and we're going as fast as we can in doing that. Well, I'll talk about a space issue. Um, we have an 18 footer. OK, uh,
5: yeah. I don't want to put it. I don't want to last
4: weekend. I wanted to dock it
5: in a place where I sold these five hundred thousand dollar million dollar boats. But I was afraid I wouldn't have enough space and I would hit one of these boats. You tell me you're going to give me assisted docking.
4: Well, I think you, you, you know, Jim, because you're in the boating space, that we've been adding technology like crazy to new boats. Most big boats now are controlled with a, with a joystick, and we're bringing that technology down to smaller boats now. You have GPS station keeping. We have a system called Skyhook, which allows you to hold the boat. We have uh, autopilots, all those kind of features. And we're certainly looking to enhance that to add even more assistance to some of the more stressful as- aspects of, uh, of boating. And certainly uh, docking is in that category. So expect us to keep moving forward in uh, marine space, just as other spaces are doing towards additional driver assistance and, and also eventually some form of autonomy. And
5: how about free-to-boat club? Can that be an answer for my friend who just paid $30,000 for a boat for two months?
4: It's a fantastic business. You know, we bought it uh, just about a year ago. When we bought it, it had 170 locations. We just opened our 234th this week. It's a club model. So it's just like any other club, you pay a joining fee and then you pay monthly dues. So you join in a particular location and that gives you an access to, to a fleet of boats in that location. Uh, the boat's ready for you. When you arrive, you book it on an app. Uh, and then when you have finished for the day, you give it back. You don't need to clean it. They do all that stuff. But because Freedom Boat Club is so big and and really national and even into uh, Canada and Europe now, we have a a reciprocal system. So if you join a club in a particular location and you travel to another location, for example, for a vacation, then you can automatically join that club. So it's a very, very flexible experience. And what we're finding is we're we're pulling in a a lot more younger boaters and also a lot more women into boating uh, through the club model. Now, one thing that
5: uh, I was trying to figure out is is that for the longest time, Brunswick felt like it had to do these other things, diversified in athletic equipment. And it made sense at the time because it looked like the shrinkage of boating and you're shrunk with the aluminum boats. But it's almost like a, a, everyone's been caught by surprise. But, sir, I have to tell you, I think this is this is my first pandemic. So you got to give me a little uh, leeway here. But I think people have rediscovered this. And there are first timers who will never go back. I mean, if you have a whaler like I do, it's freedom. And I never in a million years also thought it was safety but that 's how I feel now
4: I, I, I agree with you, and um, I think you know boating amongst some other things is is combines the ability to socially distance with uh, tons of fun and, and flexibility, the ability to go somewhere alone or go with a family or extended family or friends, depending on what you know the situation allows and you know you can go out for an hour, you can go out for a day, you can go overnight there 's tremendous flexibility there, but you 're absolutely right the the backbone of uh, Boston Whaler is safety and fishability, if you like. Huge range of boats from you know, 15, 16 feet up to our new 41-foot Conquest, but the same DNA in all of them. Great cruising, but really great fishing, uh, great safety, uh, great uh, seakeeping. So, you know, very strong uh, Boston Whaler DNA. You can always rely on them.
5: Uh, one last question. I know you do have, have some manufacturing in China. Can you get it out of there? Because then your costs would go down
4: and you make even more money for everybody. <laughs> we do have a small amount of manufacturing in China, Jim. But I'll tell you, we, we are most of our manufacturing is in the U.S. All of our large outboard engines are produced here. The vast majority of our boats are produced in the U.S. So we are a heavily uh, domestic uh, manufacturer and very proud to be that uh, we, we take advantage of a global supply chain. Uh, but but we're you know really an American business and we're 70 percent American sales, so very proud to be that and, and take advantage of uh, providing great products to the American public.
5: All right, well, David Folk, CEO of Brunswick, thank you so much for coming on to Mad Money. Thank you very much, Jim. Okay, Mad Money will be back after the break. I'm gonna- when it comes to coping with this pandemic, few organizations have been more helpful than Salesforce, the king of cloud computing. Roughly two months ago, they announced a new suite of resources called Work.com, designed to help businesses and community leaders reopen safely. And they aren't slowing down. Earlier today, the company rolled out Salesforce Anywhere, a suite of services that makes it easier for businesses to have their employees work from home without sacrificing productivity and work safer if they're at work. At a moment, we're facing a massive COVID outbreak across the Sunbelt, Florida, and California. The timing couldn't be better. So let's take a closer look with Mark Benioff, the bankable founder, chair and CEO of Salesforce, to learn more about how they're helping other companies and the country and states get through this difficult period. Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Bad Money. Hey, always great
1: to be with you, Jim. Thank you so much for having me.
5: All right. So uh, Mark had a strange experience yesterday I had a governor of a state, Governor uh, Raimondo from Rhode Island. And I asked her how she became the bastion in a very densely populated state of what I regard as a covid free zone. And she said, well, Mark Benioff really helped me, particularly with Contact Trace. Can you tell me how you work that so that Rhode Island is a safer state than almost any other state in the union? Well, Jim,
1: this is a time where every company needs to reassess its relevance to maintain its market share and innovation. And right now for Salesforce, that's a major focus on Work.com, our new platform that allows companies to reopen safely. And one of the companies or organizations, or in this case, a state, Rhode Island, well, they're one of 35 states that is using our contact tracing technology to keep their citizens safe. We also have now so many companies doing exactly the same thing. This is a critical technology, Jim, during a pandemic, because as you can imagine, when people do get sick, you have to be able to talk to them and say, hey, who have you been with? Right. Who, who should we be calling? How, who should we tell to self-quarantine? And that can be Governor Raimondo, the state of Rhode Island, like you heard last night. And it could also be the CEO of a major company like myself. I have 52,000 people. And as we start to bring our people back to work, which is happening now, if one does get sick, we're going to want to do that same contact tracing to help them. And that's a key part of the Work.com platform.
5: All right. So of the states that uh, you are helping uh, Uh, The ones right now that are in trouble, maybe because they are uh, the last few days. What are you saying to their governors?
1: Look, what I say to all of everyone is this is my first pandemic. I don't completely know know, what advice I can give you except, number one, masks. I mean, we see the mask is probably the most effective way, Jim, to prevent the transmission of the virus. Just wearing a cloth mask reduces the spread by 90 percent. And the second thing we know is test and trace. You've got to test. And then once you do test, you've got to trace. And that, as I said, is true for states like we've heard from all these incredible governors, but also corporations have got to do this as
5: well. So what would you tell Governor Abbott from Texas, a well-meaning fellow who's trying to get uh, his state open in order to be able to put food on the table? Well,
1: I think Governor Abbott is... uh, you know, in in the middle of his first pandemic, just like I'm in the middle of my first pandemic, we're doing the contact tracing for the state of Texas. We're helping him build out his network to help his contact tracers find people who have potentially been infected and get them to quarantine. That is an incredibly important part of what is happening. The second thing is we've got to have masks. People also need to realize that if you're outside, you've got a much less chance of actually contracting the virus. So if you look at countries like France, for example, restaurants are open, but most of them are operating with an outside venue. Air conditioning, for example, in France is turned off so that there isn't a spread happening inside the restaurant and people are required to wear masks. We've got to do that same exact same thing here in the United States. You
5: also have something that you that you unveiled with Siemens, which makes it so that I know I would be far less paranoid about being at work. You've got a, basically a touchless office. This is what we really want, Mark. I forgot my gloves the other day and I took my jacket and wrapped it around the door handle and said, oh, my, this is just I've taken my life in my hands. We cannot have contact with door handles and, and elevator all- buttons.
1: <laughs> well, we've talked about that, Jim, now for quite some time, which is, Yes, we have to have a contactless office. We have to rethink how we're using elevators. I mean, you can imagine I'm showing up at the office. I can't get in the elevator with 10 or 20 people. We have to be queued into the elevator. That's another key part of work.com. Shifts have to show up at the office at different times. That's another key part of work.com. One more thing that you have to have is then a completely contactless office, which is why the partnership with Siemens is so important for work.com because it means that you're gonna be able to show up in the office. And when you schedule conference rooms or walk through the office or need to turn lights on and off, Siemens is gonna do that for you automatically. The other thing it's gonna do is interface with the contact tracing technology so that you can say, hey, can you tell me who else was on floor seven yesterday? That's where I was. And we could say, these are the people that we should now go out and talk to that they should self quarantine because you just got tested for as a, you know, with a positive PCR test, we're gonna to need to let those people know they need a shelter in place as well.
5: And I want people to go to work.com because it's something that you have in each of the stages of the We reopen, and grow. It's how you serve society. How should we be serving society right now?
1: Well, Jim, you know, people say to me all the time, what does the future of work look like? And I'll say, Well, it looks exactly like what's going on with right now. It's I'm at my home, you know, you're at your home, we're working and living. Anywhere, this is a work anywhere environment. It's why we introduced Salesforce Anywhere, a whole new set of technology that lets our customers sell and service and market and collaborate anywhere. We're partnering with Zoom that you know very well, incredible conferencing technology, and Amazon with their Chime technology to deeply embed that into all of our uh, products so that our customers can have deeply integrated Collaboration. When I look at the combination of Salesforce anywhere, the ability for our customers to achieve incredible productivity in their organization like we have now at, at Salesforce to rebuild their pipelines, to get their business moving, they need these types of tools. This is critical to achieve what we call customer 360 or develop a right. single source right. of truth. That is going to make a huge difference in getting companies back to work now.
5: Excellent, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. And I think work.com is terrific. I also like we didn't get to talk about it, having it, someone who's a chief medical officer who can help people when you have real questions. Every company is going to need a chief medical Absolutely. officer. That's exactly what
1: Absolutely. 100%. Mark
5: Benioff, founder, chair and CEO of Salesforce. And money's back for the break. It is time It's time for the light round. <laughs> and then the light round's is over. Are you ready, Ski? Daddy, to the light round. Great, let's start with Ryan in Oregon. Ryan! Booyah, Dr. Chill! Whoa, man, Doc Chill in the house!
3: <laughs> hey, I'm calling about one of the most
4: popular stocks among the Robinhood investors. Yes. The company recently announced uh, two different acquisitions. Sending the stock to a five-year high, is it time to take a serious look at plug power?
5: You know, I actually, look, I've done, I did a 10-year chart of plug power the other day. This is the first time that I actually think, you know what? There's some, these these acquisitions were good. Uh, I don't want to, look, I'm not trying to move plug up. But I I, I am saying that there's more to it. And I got to come back and do a deeper dive. Let's go to Kevin in Texas. Kevin. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I got a question about Yeti. I wanted to see if I should still stay in it or get yes, out of it. Yes, you stay in it. Yeti is having an unbelievable summer. It's the summer of outdoors. You can't have outdoors without Yeti and vice versa. Let's go to Ann in Virginia. Ann. Dearest Mr.
3: Kramer, please don't be a shamer. I know you think Southwest is best, but American Airlines, yay or nay, what I got to give you a nay I- on that
5: one. I mean, they're being kept alive. They did some 12% paper the other day. Uh, I don't like that I think when you have to uh, borrow at 12% that's a bad sign for any of us let's go to Syed in New Jersey Syed how are you good day how about you good good day Um, myself and my family big fan thank you I have an 11
3: year old son standing by me he loves you. watch the show every day and you
5: want to say something before I ask my question
3: Jimmy Giles, boy, I'm Mr. Kramer. I'll
5: seeing
3: you roll. Whoa! So, uh, what I want to talk to you about, GE. I own GE for a while. What should we do? Um, hold
5: it. Yeah, I just hold it. Larry Culp is gonna figure it out. I mean, but look at that. I mean, you got the Boeing going there. It's not so good in the airspace. But Larry, Larry Culp is gonna figure it out. I just gotta leave it like that. He's gonna figure it out. And thank you for this, guys. The eleven-year-olds, they love the show. Uh, Let's go to Beth in Massachusetts. Beth, hi, Jim.
2: Thank you for teaching me something new every day. Keeping me great company while I cook dinner. I look forward to seeing you every night. Thank you. a health and biotech company that's a top supplier of sustainable and natural ingredients, Amris They recently signed a multi-year agreement with A.B. Mori, a global supplier of yeast and baking ingredients, who will exclusively use Amris all-natural zero-calorie pure cane sweetener. Do you see Amris as a sustainable you know, company to stick with? You know,
5: I looked at this when I was trying to figure out what, what it was like, valued versus IFF we got to do a deep dive on this one, too. This is a very, very interesting story, and I like it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
5: What's the difference between Texas, a state where COVID-19 is running rampant, and Rhode Island? a state where they quickly got the pandemic under control, even as its neighbors were having huge outbreaks. Simple. Rhode Island had a plan. Texas had grit. And when it comes to public health, turns out a plan beats grit every time. Last night we had the governor of Rhode Island, Gina Raimondo, on the show, and she's created a COVID safe haven, even as she runs the most, the second most densely populated state in America. Doesn't matter that it's small, what matters is the density. How'd she do it? She came up with a plan that was tough as nails, mandatory masks, social distancing, a robust contact tracing system that covers 95% of the state. Raimondo got there because she used public-private partnerships. She's a former venture capitalist with lots of business ties, and she rapidly put them to work, including with Salesforce.com. As for Texas, it seemed like Governor Greg Abbott just reopened the state, betting that the virus was already beaten or that Texas would somehow be tough enough to shrug it off. Hey, man, I'm all in for optimism. But there was a lot of wishful thinking in the Lone Star State, and the surge in COVID cases to a record high yesterday shows we haven't beaten anything. Honestly, Texas is lucky. When the pandemic hit the northeast earlier this year, we knew next to nothing about it. We thought it was a lung disease. Turned out it's more of a circulatory disease. We were told that masks wouldn't make a difference. We didn't know which preexisting conditions made you most at risk. We didn't know which drugs could help reduce the mortality rate. We didn't have a clear idea of how it spread or even how contagious it was. COVID-19 is a novel virus and novel means we have no immunity and we know nothing. So when the outbreak in the Northeast started, we made a ton of mistakes. The worst was when the authorities told us not to bother with masks. That was a colossal blunder. Killed, killed thousands of people. I don't know if they were trying to prevent a run on masks so that we'd have some left for doctors and nurses. Remember, N95 masks were in very short supply. Or if it was pure stupidity. Uh, They're claiming it was the former. Either way, it turns out masks are the best way that we know at this point to stop the spread in lieu of the vaccine. The Chinese knew it. South Koreans knew it. Taiwanese especially knew it. And the government of Rhode Island knew it though it took weeks for the rest of the country to follow suit. Somehow, though, Texas didn't get the memo. Masks suggested not required. Somehow, this mask issue has become a weird culture war battle. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's nuts. If people don't wear masks and you don't have a robust system of contact tracing, then you're going to get a horrific outbreak like the one we're seeing in Texas, and you can't even find out who is there to be infected. What the heck were they expecting? Every public health ex- expert told us this was inevitable. So now Texas is holding a tree opening, which was the last thing Governor Abbott wanted to do. But he doesn't really have a choice now that many of the state's hospitals are getting overcrowded. I think the lesson is clear. When you reopen your economy, you need to make masks mandatory. Otherwise, the virus comes right back. Now, obviously, there are parts of the country where you don't need a mask. And I hear you, people. If you live in a rural area in a state with no outbreak, you're probably not at risk. But for, for everyone else, especially in high-density states, we know masks are about pretty much all we got. It's the cheapest, easiest, best way to stop the spread. When the CDC told us to forget about masks and March, that was a terrible decision. But now everyone knows better. And the fact that many of our leaders still refuse to push masks uh, as a solution, the president won't even wear one, I'm finding it's inexcusable. We just went through this. The Northeast spent months getting the initial outlook under control. So I'm, I'm begging you, please, don't repeat our mistakes. Wear the darn mask. Stick with Kramer and with CBC. Here's a peek at what Scott Wagner has on tonight.
0: Tonight at 7 p.m., Texas reverses course and hits the pause button on its reopening. So what now for the Lone Star State? Plus, Hawaii's Lieutenant Governor gives insight on the new requirement to get into his state. And on the hospital front line in a South Florida hotspot. All tonight at 7 p.m.
5: with Scott Wapner. You know, I like the bank stocks. After the bell, the Fed issued some statements about capping dividends. I think the Fed must be more worried about the banks and how they're doing than we are. One more reason to avoid those stocks, guys. I got a whole hundred stocks that you can buy that I like more than any bank. And it's the Kramer COVID-19 Index. They're all better. And by the way, the banks, they do worse. There's a ton of reasons not to own a bag. Hey, hey, by the way, on the penny stocks, guys, cool little Well, oh, I'd say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Bad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you next time.
2: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories.